Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. So we are on part three of a really fun collection of talks, a sermon series called Fresh Air, and I pray that it has been blessing your life. If you've missed it, it's okay. We have it on iTunes. You can watch the, listen to the podcast. You can also uh, go on Facebook, and you can watch our sermons there. Uh, they get saved. But essentially, what we're talking about is a very unique place in life called the doldrums. Any sailors in the house today? You're a sailor, or you have sailed once in the past. Yes. Yes. Okay, sailing is not like uh, driving a car or driving a boat. If you don't know how to do it, you will die. That's how sailing works. It is a skill that needs to be learned. Um, and uh, there is a dangerous place in the world right across the equator called the doldrums. And the reason why it's so dangerous is because in the doldrums, the winds from the northern hemisphere meet the winds of the southern hemisphere. And it cancels out any wind in that area, which is detrimental if you are a sailor on a sailboat pre-date the times when they had engines on your boat. Because you would be in that area and you would die. Uh, because you wouldn't be able to get to where you were going. And so it would either be heat exhaustion or it would be hunger. But because you couldn't move, you would suffer and you would, you know, eventually it would, it would get you. And so what we've been talking about is that place in our life. That place where there is no wind. That place where there is no breath. Where nobody's asking us if we're okay because we're floating. We're above water. Because we're above water, nobody, nobody thinks that we're in trouble. Uh, but because we're above water, because we're not moving, really life is kind of sinking from our, from our sails little by little. And we said the first thing you got to do is fall back in love with Jesus, man. You got to fall in love with God. Because here's the truth. If you can't enjoy God, you can't enjoy life. Because everything else in life is shifting and it changes. But God is consistent in an inconsistent world. So if you plant yourself in him... The joy that you find in him will overflow into every area of your life. So it's not okay to, to, to wake up in the morning and not have joy. That's not the life God wants for you. And you can find that joy in every day by finding your joy in him. Then we said you got to make the choice. You got to make the choice. Three choices you got to make every day. You got to choose to appreciate life. Okay, so your life might suck. But here's another perspective. You're alive. You have a life to suck. And we did the math, and statisticians say that the fact that you're even here is 400 trillion to one. So you don't even have to believe God exists to appreciate the fact that you have breath in your lungs. You got to choose to love people, especially the people who are hard to love, because at least you have people to love, right, regardless of who they are. And you got to choose to not worry. And today I'm excited because we're going to continue, and I want to share a little bit of what we're going to talk about today with a, a short story. Um, how many people remember the last time you played basketball? Yeah? You remember? Has anybody remember the last time you played basketball? 70s, 80s? Yeah. Uh, me, it was April 2010. True story. And the reason why I remember it was April 2010 is because I was very out of shape. And I jumped on the basketball court, not as young as I used to be. And I get on there, and I'm with my, my friends, my boys. And they're like, hey, you want to play basketball? And I'm like, yeah, I'll play basketball. And after, after seven points, after seven points, I am done. <laughs> I really choked there for a second. Um, I was, 
struggling. And, uh, and, and my friends are coming up to me, and they're like, keep going, man. And I'm like, <gasps> and they're like, no, dude, you got to keep pushing. I was like, why? I'm going to die. And they're like, no, no. If you keep going, clap. You'll get your second win. I was like, is that a thing? I was like, I kind of remember the second win from when I was like 16. But I don't know if it exists anymore. What they didn't tell me was that in order to get a second win, you have to have first have a first win. I didn't have no first win. So the second win was not on its way. So I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm driving and I'm, and I'm dribbling and I'm, and I'm dunking and I'm shooting threes. And then and, and halfway, I'm, I'm, I wasn't doing any of that. But, but I, I, I'm not that great of a basketball player. But anyway, so, so and I'm, I'm there and, and, and the whole team moves up the court and I'm, I'm in the backcourt and something hits my chest. It's a pain that a 20-year-old in their 20s at the time should not have felt. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm like, I'm trying to call time out, but I'm dying at the same moment. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you know, everybody's out there. I go over to the, to the pole, uh, the, the other hoop, and I hold on to it. And first time it ever happened in my life, guys, I blacked out. That's how out of shape I was. Blacked out. Not for like an hour, but for like five seconds. It felt like five seconds. Um, wake up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, and that was the last time I ever touched a basketball. <laughs> I, was bad. I was bad. I was out of shape. And, and here's, what I, here's what I want to tell you. I was, I was out of shape. I was uh, not in the best of condition. And I was running and I was working and I was driving thinking that if I worked hard enough, I would be able to break through. That's the place that I was at. But what I didn't need was more effort and more strength. What I needed was to take a break. And I'm talking to people this morning who I feel are exhausted because, are exhausted, uh, are exhausted. That's when I say things three times, that's for you to be like, amen, that's me, yeah, uh-huh. I'm talking to people this morning who I believe are exhausted. You wake up exhausted, you go to work exhausted, you sleep exhausted, you go on vacation exhausted, watch TV exhausted. You're exhausted in life, and you're stuck in the doldrums of life, and you're thinking, here's the, here's the thing, though, because of the culture that we live in. We try and work harder to work ourselves out of that funk. But you can't work yourselves out of the funk. Sometimes what you need is, is not to work harder. Sometimes you need, I'm going to tell you what I wish my friends would have told me on that basketball court. Sometimes you just need to put the ball down and catch your breath. And that is the title of this morning's talk. Catch your breath. By the way, we give you those connection cards so you can write sermons on the back of them. So if you have a pen, go ahead and take notes because this is going to be good. This is going to help you. If you are exhausted... Say amen. Oh, that's the best. You're too tired to say amen. Amen. At the end, I'll say it louder, maybe. Uh, we're tired. We're so tired. And listen, let me just say if there's ever a message that I needed to preach to myself, by the way, preachers, we preach the best messages, the ones we need. Because we've been preaching it to ourselves all week. I'm going to tell you it's this message. Because I love what I do, which is great. My father in law once said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. The problem is if you love what you do, you never stop working. That's the other catch of that. So I love what I do, and I never stop working. And I'll never forget my first day on the job as a youth pastor. So I'm a youth pastor. I, before that, I had been in a church with 150 people, maybe, 100 people, maybe. And so I go from that to a church of 3,500 people. The youth group is like 300 kids. My first day on the job, I get there, just moved to Orlando. First day on the job, I go into a radio show because I'm a pastor now, which means I have a radio show. Nobody told me of this radio show. 
Google's not in the application or anything like that. I get on this radio show, and everybody in this radio show, all the hosts are like 55 and older, which I love, but they're, they're super experienced is what I mean. They've been around for a long time. They know life. They know the Bible in and out. And here's this little 23-year-old sitting with these, all, the, all these guys that have studied ministry and all that, and I'm here. And, and the first question comes in. And, oh, and it was a call-in show where people call in an issue. The first question they call in is, hey, I've been wondering around this next generation. And everybody looks at me at the table. And they're like, what do, what do you think about, about tattoos and drinking alcohol? And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. Um, I was like, oh, bathroom. Uh, and then everybody looks at me, well, I'm so glad you asked, the pastor says. We actually have a brand new youth pastor who's here. And I'm sure he'll love to answer your question. I'm like, ah, uh, Oh, and on top of that, the, Sp- the show was in Spanish. Which is not my first language. I'm like, Dios le bendiga. Um, uh, I know alcohol translates alcohol. Uh, alcohol. Uh, no es bueno. No es bueno. Um, and I'm just trying to wrestle my way through that show. And then after that, I, I, I get into my office, and my very first day on the job, there's a student there who had just attempted suicide. So I get, I, I'm struggling on this radio show. I get into my office, and there's this kid there, and, and he's like, yeah, his girlfriend broke up with him, and he's thinking about taking his life. I'm like, welcome to church, I guess. And then, and then he leaves, and then a mom comes in who wasn't happy with the former youth pastor, and she sits me down, and she gives me a list of things that the old youth pastor did that she wants to make sure I don't do. Starting with, make sure you don't have long services. I'm like, I will do that. I will try my best to, uh, to do that. She's like, and what are you preaching about? Let me see your sermon series. I'm like, whoa. So I'm, 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 I'm beat up. I go home, super discouraged, but also go home with this false strategy. Here's my strategy. I'm going to work hard. Because if I work hard, I'm going to solve all the problems. How many people have lived here a long time? Raise your hand if you've lived. I mean lived. I mean lived, I mean 45 plus. Put your hand out here in your 20s. I've been alive. I'm 13. Shut up. Um, you know, you're not. Uh, 45 plus. If you're 45 and older, you know more work doesn't solve your problems because once you solve that problem, what? Biggie had it right. More problems. More problems. Once you solve a problem, you got 10 more problems. Until I had the ultimate problem. I spent so much time working, I came home one day and my wife in bed elbows me, I look over, she's in tears. She says, you spend all your time at church and you spend time with your family. I don't know if we can do this any longer. We had maybe been working there two months, maybe. Maybe, two months. She's all, I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm like, oh, man. And so now I'm stuck. I'm in a doldrum because I would go to work, but I wasn't happy. Why? Because when I was working, where did I want to be? Home with my wife and my kids. And I wasn't productive because I wanted to be home. But when I was home, because I didn't get work done, I didn't want to be with my family either. Where did I want to be? Church, so when I'm at church, I want to be home, but when I'm at home, I want to be at church, and I'm living stuck in this place, and I don't know what to do. I'm trying to work myself out of a situation, and here's what I did. I blamed God, but you're the one that put me here. You're the one that opened the doors. I never asked for this job. They called me. You're the one who made all this happen. Where's the wind when you said there would be wind? And I started to get mad at him, but I realized the wind was always blowing. It was my sail that had holes. We got to be careful that we don't blame the condition of our soul on our friends or on our relationships or on our jobs or on our church because the wind is there, buddy. It's the sail that has holes. So maybe we need to check ourselves before we put blame 
on others in other situations. The, 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 the other title for this sermon, which I didn't want to share, because if there's first-time guests here, I don't want you to think, you know, this is pastor who's all rough and he's offended and all that stuff. But, but I almost called this message, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because a lot of times, hey, I want you to say amen after this. If you, if you really want to be free, you're going to say amen after I say it. The problem is us. Come on, somebody. Sometimes the problem is us. We are simply doing too much. I want to talk to you this morning about the topic of rest, the subject of rest and the importance of rest in your life and how much, you don't even know this, God wants you to rest. You see, this is what they taught me when I was growing up in church. And let's show them the diagram. This is the priorities of your life. They said, this is what you have to do. You have to put God first. If you're a Christian, you probably heard some aspect of this. And then after you put God first, you got to put ministry and work second, and then your family, and then you. And that makes sense, because if I don't put work first, then I don't put food on the table for my kids. But the problem was, our kids weren't dying right away, because they weren't hungry anymore, but they were dying in the long term, because they didn't have fathers who raised them, and they didn't have mothers to care for them or guide them. And so somewhere around the 70s or 80s, we kind of all, Oprah came out. And then we were like, we should probably take care of our kids and our family. And so it switched. And now we said, no, 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 God first, then family, family first, and then, and then ministry and work, and then you at the bottom. And that's good too, because I tell people all the time, you know, you can't take your 401k with you to heaven. But you know what you can take with you? Your children, your uncles, your aunts, your brothers, your sisters. People are the only thing you can take with you to heaven, so make sure they're coming. Not your, not your work, not your income, not all that. That's cool too, but there's still one problem. You're still at the bottom. And if you're still at the bottom, eventually you won't have enough to feed the two up top. And so here's what I propose. Now here's what I believe God's model for the priorities in your life are. And some of y'all are going to get free after you see this. Watch. I think it's like an amen. God, you, then family, then ministry and work. I was expecting a lot more excitement. But you know why we have trouble with this model? I want to tell you why we have trouble with this model, especially Christians. They'll be like, how dare you put yourself right up there? Don't you know? Isn't Jesus your model? Yeah, Jesus is my model. Didn't he carry the cross? Didn't he die so that you and I could have eternal life? How dare you? Thank God Jesus didn't put himself first. They got all religious and all spiritual and all. Okay, yeah, but you know what else Jesus did? He didn't start ministering until he was 30 years old. What do you think he was doing for the first 30 years? Chilling. <laughs> Not one miracle until he's 30. Maybe the model isn't kill yourself. I don't know. Crazy idea. Maybe the model isn't kill yourself. Maybe the model is make sure you're good first before you have and help others. Maybe that's the model. Maybe what God is saying, make sure you rest, make sure you have energy, make sure you have strength, make sure you got your stuff up and in line before you try and help other people, because if not, you're going to run out. And let me, get the, let me get the box. Where's the box? Let me show you this real quick illustration that might help you uh, understand a little more where I'm coming from. Okay? It's like this. Hey, guys. Like this cup. You got holes in your life. You're not resting. You're not sleeping. You're, you got some issues going on, and you're trying to help other people, and I, and I get it, and you are. So this bucket represents all your family. This bucket represents your job, your career. And every day, every day in the morning when you wake up, you got a certain level of energy. You know that, right? Certain level of energy after your coffee. Here's what happens. 
You got job, you got job needs, job requests. You got kids, you got brothers, sisters, moms, phone calls to make. And so you're, you're feeding other people, but because you got holes in your life, after you're done feeding other people, at the end of the night, you go to bed like this. Oh, oh, you still got your job, and your wife's happy. Everybody's happy, but you know who's not happy? Because you're empty. Because you got holes. This is not God's intention for you to bless others in your life. He doesn't want you to minister out of your emptiness or out of your holes. He wants you to minister He wants you to minister out of your abundance. I'm going to get electrocuted, ain't I? This microphone is wet. Lord Jesus. He wants you to minister out of your abundance. You got to have so much in you that those are, that's why you got to feed yourself first. Make sure you're okay before you can help others. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get not tired anymore. I'm going to help you break it. But before I do that, I got to let you know that I'm preaching to you. And in order to do that, I got to give you some examples. Because sometimes you could be so tired, you don't even know you're tired. When tired becomes a part of your life and you just live in a state of tired, you don't even know you're tired anymore. Because now it's become the status quo. Now it's become what it is. So now I'm not tired. I'm just living tired. I live tired. So, so, so here are some symptoms, okay? And maybe you could say, oh, yeah, amen, that's me. That's definitely me. When I'm tired, and I'm doing it from my perspective so you don't get offended because these are the things that I struggle with. So if I struggle with it and you agree, you can say amen after I say it. But I'm just talking about myself. Is anybody in here who can identify with me? You say amen. That's what we do in church. Amen means me too. So don't leave me out here hanging by myself. Okay? I'm the pastor. If I got issues, I know you got issues too. When I'm tired, I hurt others and I hurt myself. My wife was doing her hair this morning. She said, babe. I said, what? She said, I burned my hair. Like, it fell off. She's like, smell it. I'm like, I don't want to smell that in the morning. She said, what happened? I said, what happened? She said, I don't know. I guess I was tired. And I didn't even notice what was happening. You know, in the NBA, a lot of the athletes are taking a lot of slack now because they found out that most of the injuries happen at the second of a back-to-back game. Because the players, the athlete is tired. You make mistakes when you're tired. When I'm tired, I make mistakes. When I'm tired, I make bad decisions. I don't just hurt myself physically. I hurt myself emotionally. When I'm tired, temptation is stronger. Bad decisions. When I'm tired, I hurt other people. I remember being in a bus, a ministry bus across the country with some ministry team members. We were traveling the country, and it's like two in the morning, popping sleeping pills because we're trying to sleep. Uh, this is what we do in the ministry, pop sleeping pills, gonna sleep. And, uh, and this one kid had his, his church's worship team music playing, two in the morning, in the bus, super loud. You know, when people have headphones on, they think it's okay that they have headphones on, but it's so loud, everybody in the bus, you might as well just connect it to a subwoofer. We're in, the, we're in the bus, and he's, he's like, oh, do you like my worship team? It's good music, right? And I'm like, just sleep, Jay, just sleep. And, I, and I've been here before, so I'm like, check yourself before you wreck yourself, Jay. Check yourself. before." He keeps going. Oh, you like this worship? Oh, she can sing. And in the back of the bus, I start screaming, she sounds like a cat. Shut it off. I was a leader, y'all. I was the director of that bus, okay? I knew it was going to happen, but I let it get to me. When we're tired, we say things and we hurt other people. Got to be careful. 
When we're tired, we become emotionally inconsistent. Thank you, thank you. I know I do. The days that I'm running late because I'm tired, there's always a traffic jam. And there's always somebody who wants to get ahead of me. And then I start saying some things, some words that are not in the Bible. And you know why I'm a, but you know how I changed all that? Now I need to just speak. I'm so grateful that we we belong to a multicultural church, but I just want to speak for just a second if you'd allow me to speak to my fellow uh, Latinos in the room. Um, If you have any Latino friends, uh, the stereotypes are true. Uh, We cannot show up on time anywhere. (laughs) Can I deliver you? From your stress and your anxiety, leave 15 minutes before you got to be to a place. And you will discover a whole level of peace you did not even know existed. Okay? I leave early now, and now all of a sudden, someone wants to cut me off, go right ahead. I'm good. I got 15 minutes ahead of time. I'm just sitting in the parking lot anyway. Oh, yeah, God bless you. Instead of God bless you. My kids crying all the time, throwing fits. You know what I found out solves their fits 99% of the time? A nap. I don't want them to. And they'll, they'll cry over just ridiculous things. The sun is out. Why is the sun out right now? I can't believe the sun. The sun. I'm like, what is the big deal? And I said, the problem's not the sun. The problem's what? He's cranky, right? Look at your neighbor. Tell him, take a nap. Come on, tell him, take a nap. Sometimes we just need to take a nap. I found out that when I'm tired, I'm less productive. Uh, first time I ever saw NASCAR, and I have not watched NASCAR many times. Maybe because I'm Latino. Maybe don't. <laughs> don't watch NASCAR. But I was with a friend of mine who loved it. Taught me everything about racing. Taught me about the drafts. And for those of you who don't know what racing is, that's not when they pick the best drivers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's when, that's, that's when the fast car gets in front of us and he's following and he's going faster because he's in, his, in the wind and all that. And, and, and I'm watching this race and I see this one guy park. And I'm like, what is that dude doing parking in the middle of a race? He's going to lose. And my friend goes, no, it's not a, he's not parking, it's a pit stop. I said, why, why does he, what is he doing? He says, no, you got to understand, you can go further faster with fresh tires than you can burned out ones. Sometimes we need to change the tires because we'll go further faster. We won't go as fast, we won't go as far. When I'm tired, I can't hear God. I learned that at those 10.30, 11 p.m. wannabe counseling sessions my wife tries to have with me. I'm half asleep. She'll be like, babe, what do you think about Psalms 38? I'm like, babe. We need to have this conversation in the morning because I know that noise is coming from that side of the bed, but I cannot make out what exactly you are trying to tell me. God is the same way. You know, some of us are getting upset because God's not speaking to us, but what if we're just too tired to listen? What if he's been speaking this whole time because we got a job to go to, and then we got that that extracurricular activity, then we got to put our kids to bed, then we got to make breakfast, and we're running, we're running, we're running, and God's like, oh, yeah, can I just... Yeah, but I just wanted to say, yeah, but hey, before you get there, can I just, yeah, but um, I just want to, and then the time that we do have off, the only one speaking to us, 
is Hulu and Netflix. So the very little time that God and God's like, hey, I want to just, just talk to you. I want to take the plans that I have for your life. And you're like, yeah, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm on season three right now. Let me just find out if she dies, and then we'll talk about it. And when I'm tired, I end up emptying time. You ever notice how you can binge TV for a whole day and then be exhausted at the end of that day? But you did nothing but sit on your couch? How is that possible? Yet, you find the energy to go to the gym or go for a run or walk your dog, and you come back home, and you're like, You did one sit-up, looking in the mirror like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, you see that? What do you think, babe, yeah, no, huh, yeah, right? You worked harder, but you were fuller after working harder than you were after doing nothing. You know why? You got to write this down if you're taking notes. Because rest is not an activity, it's the state of your soul. See, and we get tired not because of how much we do. We get tired because of what we choose to do. Some of us say, I have too much on our plate. Mm-mm, you're carrying the wrong plate. Because there's actually activity you can do that will feed your soul. It will actually give you more energy. So rest is not an activity. It's a state of your soul. Let me give you an example. Here are some of the things that we will spend our time doing in life by the time we die. Okay? And I don't want to be grim. But at the end of your life, this is where your time will go. First one. You will spend 13 years and four months watching TV. 13 years and four months watching TV. Somebody's looking at somebody more like 16. This was pre, this was pre, this statistic was done pre-streaming. So who even knows? You will spend five years waiting in line. Waiting for five years. Stupid DMV. You will spend four and a half years driving. You will spend one year looking for misplaced items. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I know. That makes sense. Always looking for stuff. And no one on their deathbed wishes that they would spend one more second doing any of that. Why? None of that has purpose, which is the first thing you need to do if you want rest. I'm just going to give you two things this morning. I'm going to give you some steps, and if, and if you practice these things, you won't have to live tired anymore. First thing you need to know, you have to find your purpose and fulfill it. If you want to feel rested, well, I thought you said resting, you know, chilling, taking a break off. Remember that rest is not an activity, it's a state of your soul, and your soul will never be at rest unless you find your eternal purpose and fulfill it. I was a part of a ministry school, and in this ministry school, if you did something bad, you get this thing called a demerit. And if you got enough demerits, you got punished. And it wasn't like old school monk, like, you know, they didn't like bend over, let me do with belt. Ah, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, didn't grow up in that. No, it was, this was the punishment. Are you ready? They'd make you dig a hole. Deep. Like, three feet, four feet deep. It doesn't sound like a lot. You dig a hole. Three feet, four feet. That had to be the width of the shovel from tip to tip. And then when you were done, you had to fill it back up. And they told you that before you started digging. It was the quintessential purposeless activity. You want to punish somebody? 
have them spend their life doing something that has action but no purpose. They will be tortured. Spend your life in a cubicle wondering, what am I doing with my life? Spend your life pushing product at a kiosk in the mall. What am I doing with my life? Purposeless activity will steal your joy. You will have no, you will have, you will always be stirred up inside. You will not find rest. You will not find rest. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Look at this verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Where is the key? You find rest by taking what? My yoke. Now, for those of us who, you know, haven't, aren't familiar with old school, Old Testament, that is not the yellow thing in the egg. Okay, that is yoke. Y-O-L-K. Yoke is a long piece of wood that you would put around the neck of an oxen so that you can steer them where you want to do the work. So hold on. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm confused. God wants me to rest by doing work? No. He wants you to find rest by doing his work. He says, take my yoke. And when you take on my yoke, you will find rest. Let me tell you, if you do not have an eternal purpose in life, you will always be exhausted. I was once so tired, I thought about leaving Christianity and ministry altogether. My pastor counseled me. He said, you need to go on a three-day fast. So I went on a three-day fast. Nothing. I closed the door. I only left to use the bathroom and drink water. And I just prayed. And I read my Bible. And I prayed. And I read my Bible. Guess what happened after three days? Nothing. I was still depressed. I was still tired. I was still exhausted. And I, I'm, about, I'm headed to my pastor's office. I'm about to tell him, hey, you know what? I'm throwing the towel. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. And on my way there, this student comes alongside, because now I was the director of that program. This student comes alongside. He says, hey, JJ, can I talk to you for a second? I'm going through some issues. I'm like, man, I'm not really in a position right now. And so, and so I'm like, all right, man. Okay, so, so all right, here's what you need to do, man. I'm like, hey, can I pray with you? I pray with him. I left that conversation. Boom. Energy. Strength. Passion. Purpose. You know why? Proverbs 11.25. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's why, listen, that's why I want you to come to Next Steps today. That's why I want you to serve on a team. I don't, I don't need more greeters. I don't need more people ushering. I don't need more musicians and more singers. Our church is not about us. We want you to serve on a team here because we believe you should have one activity a week whose purpose is bigger than you. So that, so that I mean, I love it. We're doing a financial peace class right now. We got some teachers in there, uh, Ariel and Joanne. They're amazing. And what I love about them is that they have a business selling homes. They're doing really good in. But you know what the highlight of this week is? Not any of that. It's coming and spending time with people who are trying to get their finances in order. Because selling homes is great and it puts food on the table. But you know what puts passion and purpose in your heart? That ministry. I want you to be there today. And you remember today, maybe next week or the week after, whatever. And it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't even have to be at our church. Just find a church, get connected, and have a purpose that's bigger than yourself because you will only find rest. You will only find rest when you find that. When you find that. When you find that. I want to help you. You should be able to go to sleep at night, not with an empty cup, but be able to say, my life mattered today. My life mattered today. That's what you want to go to bed feeling. My life mattered today. Second thing you have to do, I'll close with this, you have to have a Sabbath. 
Now, that is a, a Hebrew word that translates into English. Some of you guys might not know what that means. It's one of the Ten Commandments, probably the commandment that gets broken the most. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I just want to speak to people who, who are, are new to church. Um, you know, I think there's a, the Ten Commandments get a bad rap. Just so you know, God was not in heaven. He got the angels around. He's like, oh, I got this brainstorm. What are the ten things we can make them do that will ruin their lives? Ideas? Michael's like, do not murder. That's a good one, Michael. They'll hate that. Do not commit adultery. I like that one, Gabe. Good one, Gabe. Do not commit adultery. I work on do not commit. I like that. What else can we think? You know how I know that's not the... God wants you to do those things for you. Did you know every one of the Ten Commandments is for you? Do not murder. Because if you murder, someone from that family is going to want to murder you. Do not commit adultery. Because if you do, somebody from that family is going to want to murder you. And if anything embodies that more than anything else, it's keep the Sabbath and make it holy. What does God get out of you taking a day off? What does he get? You know what he says? He says, take a day off, man. Take a day off. Now, you might not be familiar with this, and so let me explain to you what the Sabbath is. All right, let me explain. The first thing you need to know, Sabbath means stop. Literally. You have to stop what you're doing and take a whole day for yourself, your family, and for God. It could be Sunday. Mine's not Sunday. This is a work day for me. Mine's Monday. Love it. Monday, I was telling Liz yesterday, I can't wait for Monday. Love it. Spend time with our family, spend time with my wife. Time. Some of you guys are probably thinking, well, I can't take a Sabbath. I'm too busy. Excuse me, Mr. Important. What if busy wasn't a badge? What if, we, what if we flipped the American culture around and we just said, you know what, business shouldn't be a badge of honor anymore. It should be a, a sign of undiscipline. Oh, I'm just, I'm just busy. I can't take a day off. You might be able to take a day off because all you do is get up in front of people one day a week and talk for 35 minutes. You don't do nothing. How about that? I don't do nothing. I don't do nothing. I'll trade jobs with you in a second. You try this. Look at all these people that don't shout at you when you speak. And, and, and you know, your, 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 your income is tied to somebody else's love for the Lord. You know why I'm able to do this? Not because I'm not busy. Because I've learned the second most important word in the English vocabulary after Jesus Christ. I'm going to teach to you this morning. Ready? It's good because it works in English, Spanish. Great. No. You need to learn to say no. But not no to the things that matter. No to the things that don't. Not no to the things that give you breath. No to the things that take your breath away. Well, I can't just be a part of that small group. Oh, so you don't have time to get around four or five people who want to encourage you? Don't have time for it. What are you doing? Okay. Oh, you don't have time to serve on a team here at church? How come? Because I'm tired. And then when you forgive, you find a purpose that will get you up in the morning, that will feed your soul. You got to learn to say no. What do I do on my Sabbath? Here's what you do. You say no, and you disconnect. You got to disconnect. Okay? Some of you guys are going to leave the church after I say this. You need to hear it, and I'm only saying this because I love you. Because I want the best for you. On your Sabbath, no social media. Disconnect. Well, what am I going to do if I don't use my phone? How about you talk to that stranger 
who's been living with you for the last couple years. Who? I know. Exactly. Maybe it's, let's say, let's say your Sabbath is a Sunday. Here's what you do. You get up early. You have a cup of coffee. You grab your wife by the hand or your girlfriend. Well, hopefully not. You didn't wake up with your girlfriend. <laughs> you got, you got, when you make this stuff up as you go, sometimes you say stuff. But you, you, and I'm not making it up either, but you, you grab your wife by the hand. You, you, you go out the door, and, and you say, oh, you, hey, hey, what's your name again? Oh, okay, yeah, I just... I remember that from the wedding, right? Um, just, you got, and then you, and you come on and you put and, and you check in at the dream team. By the way, we call it the dream team because it's your dream, not our dream. And we want you to find your purpose. You put on a lanyard. You get outside in the parking lot. You wave some cars. And, hey, welcome home. You come in. You hear a good message. You sing songs. Spend time with God. And you go home and do nothing. You know what would be awesome? You know what I want to hear people say after this message? I want to say, hey, what did you do last week? Amen. Woo! Glory to God. That for me, guys, would be the biggest win. If I could come up to you on a Sunday or something after church and say, hey, what are you doing today? Nothing. Just nothing. Like, I don't know. What are you doing? Nothing. Cool. That's it. And here's the second thing that makes a Sabbath a Sabbath. It's disconnecting, stopping. Here's the second thing. Are you ready? Got to get close to Jesus. Getting close to Jesus. It is not a Sabbath. fact, that is the essence of the word. I don't know if you know this, but holi holiday, holiday is actually a derivative from holy day. Sabbath was the holy day. That's where we get holiday. You're supposed to combine the two. Get close to Jesus. Why? Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Makes me. He makes me. You can't not rest in God's presence. He makes you lie down. We need someone in our lives saying, lie down. Right now. Stop it. Put that phone. Stop it. Stop worrying. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about the doctors. Don't worry about the bills. Don't worry about the mortgage. Don't worry about being single. Don't worry about being married. Don't worry about being divorced. Don't worry about not being able to pay that. Stop it. Stop it. Get down, lay down, and know that I am Lord. Be still, says the Lord, and know that I am God. I got you. Just stop it. Lay down. Lay down. Stop it. Lay down. He makes me lay down. Shows me still waters. Restores my soul. It's hard to understand that if you hadn't seen what it was written. I went to Israel about six years ago, and the tour guide is with us. He goes, he takes us to this place. He goes, many believe that this is where Psalms 23 was written. And I was like, oh, that's all. I know this. I know. Verse by verse, I remember. Lord's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ooh, green pastures. Guess where he took me to? The middle of the desert. He said, this is where Psalms 23 was written. I said, well, somebody has not been taking care of Psalms 23. <laughs> we need to throw some fertilizer on this thing. We need to throw some topsoil. We got some grass seeds up in here. Where's the green pastures? Where's the still waters? He said, no, you read that wrong. David was in the desert when he wrote it. He said, green pastures and still waters, not running waters. I'm like, you got to explain this to me. I don't understand. He said, still waters, man. I'm like, dude, I don't grow up here. <laughs> explain it to me. He goes, see, running waters is you're in a river, but still waters is where there's a crevice in the ground and the rain falls in certain areas and the rain fills it up and then water comes out. And then because the water comes out, the grass comes out. He goes, you guys might call this an oasis. 
It's the pasture in the desert. You see, God never promised that life wouldn't be a desert. He promised to be the oasis in the desert. He, he didn't say, he didn't say, if you follow me, all the, the palm tree is going to bloop right there. Coconut, bloop, right? there's going to be a river that comes. He said, if you follow me, life will be a desert. But you just hold on to me, Papa. I got you. I'm going to show you where the water is. I'm going to show you where the grass is. I'm going to show you where life is. I'm going to show you where peace is. I'm going to show you where rest is. I'm going to show you where mercy is. I'm going to show you where hope is. Just follow me. Just come on. I got you. Don't worry about that. I know you're thirsty. Come on. I'm going to show you. I got you. Follow me. Follow me. Um, got a new pet in my home a few weeks ago. Teaching lesson. Would you like to meet my new pet? Or a picture? Liz, Liz wanted to teach the boys about metamorphosis. She's an amazing homeschool teacher. So this is an actual picture. This is from Google. This is an actual picture of our pet. Uh, Zane named him. Flash because Epic is the best pet name for a caterpillar of all time. Flash is his name. And uh, this week, and that's how I know that this message is for you. God spoke to me through a caterpillar, y'all. This week, Flash turned into this. This week. This week. But here's the message. He couldn't have gone to that to that if he hadn't first gone through this. Rest is going to help you become the person you want to become. Rest is going to give you the wings you need to fly. Rest, rest is going to help you get that final bit of transformation in your life. You're thinking that work is going to take you where you want to go. But the truth is, resting in the presence of the Lord, stopping, ceasing, is going to begin a metamorphosis in your life. Because you can't rest if you don't trust. And so as you rest, your faith begins to build. But I got to really chase down that lead. But I got to put three more hours in the gym. But I got to put, because if I don't, my competitor is going to pass me. You got something your competitor ain't got. We call it favor, baby. It's what happens when God gets in your business. It's what happens when God gets in your health. It's what happens when God gets in your family. It's what happens when God gets in your realty company. It's what happens when God gets in your finances. It's called favor, baby. It's the same thing that turned five loaves of bread and two fish into feed 3,000 and 5,000. Favor. God can do more with your less than you can do with your more. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.